synchronicity tends to have to do with spiritual, interpersonal, and psychological development. Not always, but Jungians who are really into it tend to define synchronicity. And remember that Jung originated the term. They define it as having something to do with like psychotherapy by coincidence. It helps you evolve psychologically or spiritually. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, I am joined by Bernard Beitman, MD, to discuss his book, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. Bernard discusses several different types of meaningful coincidences, how to work with them, including mantic practices like the I Ching and Tarot, synchronicity and precognition, and why meaningful coincidences are important for psychological and spiritual evolution. Also, please be sure to give this podcast a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. That really does help the podcast grow. Bernard Beitman, MD, is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systematize the study of coincidences. A graduate of Yale Medical School, he did his psychiatric residency at Stanford University. The former chair of psychiatry of the University of Missouri-Columbia Medical School for 17 years, he writes a blog for Psychology Today on coincidence and is the co-author of the award-winning book, Learning Psychotherapy. Bernard is also founder of the Coincidence Project, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen is his latest book. Bernard, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. I'm glad to be a rebel with you. Yeah, right on. I'm always looking for more rebels. I think we need them right now. So I kind of want to just sort of jump right into this. When I hear the phrase meaningful coincidence, I immediately think synchronicity. But you identify four different kinds of meaningful coincidences. And I think that's really important. The way that you describe it in the book is that meaningful coincidence is your umbrella term for this. So I thought we could begin by going through those. And I don't know if it's necessary. If you think it is, maybe you can even back up and say what you think a meaningful coincidence is. Well, let's talk, let's describe the umbrella first and okay, before perfect. we open it. Sure. A meaningful coincidence starts with the word coincidence. And, and a coincidence is the coming together of two or more events in a surprising, unexpected, and improbable way that seems to have significance to the person experiencing it and may seem to have a possible explanation. And the, the points here are the possible significance and the possible explanation. It doesn't say there is one, it says there may be one. Mm -hmm. And the meaningful part of a coincidence is when those two aspects, personal meaning and explanation come into play. There are people who use a different adjective in front of the word coincidence, like just and mere, which mm -hmm. is to dismiss the coming together of these two events in a surprising way as random. So it's that term, meaningful coincidence, that's the umbrella term for the four subtypes or the four types of meaningful coincidences that I describe in the second chapter of my book. Okay, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that comes to mind is there does seem to be a rejection from many that there's anything at all to coincidences. What comes to mind is a class that I teach quite frequently is critical thinking. And the book I use, it actually tells students that there is nothing special about coincidence. In fact, what it says is that the world would be far stranger without coincidence. Well, there's something to that. I, yeah. I mean, a world without any weird thing happening, like a meaningful coincidence, would yeah. be a strange world. So right. they're going to happen. And that is the fundamental belief of the, of the people who hold to randomness or chance as how 
the best explanation and the only explanation for meaningful coincidences. And what they have is a part of the truth. And you, our, our, our listeners and viewers may know about the, the old fable about the blind men and the elephant. And the blind men and the elephant, they were these six or eight people were feeling the ele elephant and each one felt a different part of the elephant. The one who felt the trunk was said, oh, this is a hose. Another one who felt the leg said this was a tree. Another one who felt the side said this is a wall. And the one who felt the tail said it's a rope. So each one of them had a, a sense of what the thing was to them from their limited perspective. But the whole elephant got missed. And I'm trying to describe the whole elephant. Right. And the randomness is one part of understanding meaningful coincidence because they have to have a probability because they happened. They have to have a probability of coming together. It's the ones that are really low probability right. that draw our attention. Right, right. And I know that I told you before I hit record that I would share a synchronicity with you. And one did come up because I've had this interest in synchronicity. And when I covered this in the class and the textbook says that, you know, coincidence is just coincidence, you know, essentially it was also trying to say that there's no meaning. You know, I wanted to kind of put it out there to the students that, well, you know, there are some events that occur that seem so unlikely that there seems to be some kind of meaning. And I gave them a, just off the top of my head, I gave this example of, and maybe this is not necessarily a synchronicity. Maybe this is just a coincidence, but I gave them the example of maybe thinking of a song, you know, a song kind of coming into their head. And maybe it's one that they haven't heard on the radio for a very, very long time. And, you know, this was a group of, you know, 20 something students. And so I tried to pick, a, I just randomly picked a song from like in the seventies that I didn't think many of them would ever hear. And I don't really remember what it was, maybe something like, you know, dust in the wind by Kansas. And I said, you know, maybe, you know, you hear about this or it comes into your head and then you go into your car and you start it and there it is playing on the radio. And so that's how I explained synchronicity to them. But then I had a break and I had a dinner break between classes. So I went to a restaurant and I was waiting on my order and they had a, a stereo system going. And sure enough, <laughs> the song that was playing was that random song that I had used in my example. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. It's a uh... It's a, what, what happened in the restaurant was a coincidence about the first coincidence. Right. And, and I call those meta coincidences because meta often means about. Mm. Uh, and I collect those because right. I like to catch them. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, I was on two podcasts, two different podcasts as the guest. And in each podcast, somebody, it was usually, it was the guest or the host said, you know, I have this coincidence in which I'm writing something or typing something and a TV sets on and I write a certain word and I hear it on the TV set. Hmm. Well, I heard the same story later that, well, this morning, 12 hours later. So that, that, that's the kind of thing that seems to happen that, that you get strings of them sometimes if you're paying attention to them. Right. And how do you, so how do you think about them? Well, let's just take the simple example that you presented. You're thinking of a song and then you hear it on a radio. There's, the variation on that is you think of a question and you have it answered without having to ask anybody. And these are two of the most common coincidences that came out in our weird coincidence survey that I did at the University of Missouri, where I put together with some research people a questionnaire called the Weird Coincidence Survey, which helps measure how sensitive you are to coincidences. And we also came up with the most common ones and hearing something on the radio that you're thinking about or answering, getting a question answered that without having to ask it are two of the most common coincidences. Now, what do we mean by 
synchronicity here. Well, you're demonstrating what for me is a broad use of the word synchronicity when you talk about music and then you hear it. And that's broad because synchronicity tends to have to do with spiritual, interpersonal, and psychological development. Not always, but Jungians who are really into it tend to define synchronicity. And remember that Jung originated the term. They define it as having something to do with like psychotherapy by coincidence. It helps you evolve psychologically or spiritually. And that that what your example didn't necessarily involve anything about evolution. It could have of the of an individual. It could have, but it wasn't a major hitter. For example, something like that was a young woman and her boyfriend were sitting in a in the, his car one day, and they were one evening, and they were thinking about getting married. They were talking about getting married, but she knew that her parents didn't particularly like this guy and they were listening to the radio. And as, a, as they were discussing this, a song came on the radio that was her grandmother's favorite song and the grandmother's favorite song and the granddaughter's favorite song. They liked this song together. So that was meaningful to this young woman because that meant to her that her grandmother approved of her getting married to this guy. Yeah. And Jung, didn't he also kind of connect synchronicity to the I Ching? And I asked that because I have been reading tarot cards and that's usually how I explain it to people is in terms of a synchronicity and that if it has meaning to you, then it has meaning to you. If it doesn't, then no harm. But what I've often found though is when i do readings for people it tells them what they already know well i'm i've been a tarot card reader for a long time and i i used to have a, a, a deck that i put in kind of a holster that a mm -hmm. friend of mine made me a leather holster that i would pull out and then do readings for people i just when i ran into them mm -hmm. it was pretty fun to do that and the I Ching is part of the same mantic tradition that is predicting the future fortune telling that the I Ching that the the tarot cards are the I Ching and tarot cards are the basically same idea of being able to use what seems to be randomness in a controlled way to mm. create potential meaning i call it domesticated the coincidences mm. because because okay. you're making them happen right here okay but but they are illustrations right there what you're doing is synchronicity when somebody finds some meaning right right for sure and so there's synchronicity that's one of the terms that you discuss also serendipity and so how exactly are synchronicity and serendipity different from each other well they both are meaningful coincidences but they're usually around different things as i mentioned synchronicity tends to be more psychological and spiritual Mm -hmm. and inter interpersonal tends to be but people have stretched the word use of it to include what i would call serendipity sometimes mm -hmm. well serendipity is simply said a happy accidents right. you find something accidentally that's quite useful to you for example one of the more popular of of coincidences in the weird coincidence survey and by the way you can take this survey on my website which is called coincider.com. And the spelling is C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-R. And a coincider is someone who experiences coincidences. I didn't want to use the word experiencer because that's used for a lot of different experiences. So a coincider is someone who's experiencing a coincidence. So if you go to coincider.com, you'll find the weird coincidence survey and you can take it and rate yourself about how sensitive you are to coincidences. And one of the coincidences that's most popular in that group is I advance in my work, career, and education by being in the right place at the right time. Mm. So somehow you get to where you need to be and things work out. 
and you may not have planned it. And that's the, that's when it becomes serendipity. You're going one place and then you end up going to another place or you go to one place at the wrong time. And it turns out to have been the right place. One of those favorite examples of that from our research subjects was a guy's girlfriend's getting married to somebody else. And he's, he's bummed out by it. He just, but she invited him and he thought he should go. And so he, he kind of planned it so he would miss the ceremony, but he did show up for the dinner and he showed up kind of late, but they hadn't quite served yet. And there was one chair left for him to sit in. So he went there. And this key part of this is that he started up a conversation with the person next to him. If you don't talk, you're not going to have something happen. So he started talking to the guy next to him and he, he said, I just finished graduate school and I don't have a job. I couldn't find one. And he, he told this guy what he does. And the guy he was talking to needed just what he could do. He was another academic who needed the kind of abilities that this guy who sat in the last remaining seat needed. He advanced in his career by being in the right place at the right time, quite accidentally. Hmm. Hmm. So do people, you, you've gotten, you've collected a lot of responses. Is it the case that the more people pay attention to coincidences or synchronicities that the more they see them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's my job, sir here in this world <laughs> is to like uh, sensitize people to coincidences because when they start seeing them, the, not always, but they'll, they'll start yeah. seeing more. Some people just have a couple of big ones and that's it. But yeah. Yeah. a lot of people say, well, I started seeing them and then I started seeing them. And I get a kick out of it that after they talk with me, sometimes they have the weirdest coincidence happening. Yeah. And I explain that in a very scientific way is that I spread the fairy dust of meaningful <laughs> coincidences around. Yeah. Well, I, I do hope that that has an effect because I've been very interested in synchronicities and coincidence and I try to pay attention for them, but it seems as if there is a lack of them sometimes in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always on the lookout, but I don't see them all the time. Yeah. That's because they don't show up all the time. And yeah, this yeah. the idea that they're there in some kind of constant stream is not the way reality works. Right, right. And one of the ideas that I go for, or the intent I have, as as we were discussing maybe before we started turning on the on the show, is that coincidences help us understand reality better. Mm. You refer to it as a cosmology. Right. I, I refer to it as a tool to understand the hidden natures of reality, the things mm -hmm. that we haven't yet understood. We right. begin to understand better by examining them. And I'll give you a simple example from like maybe a long time ago when we were hunters and gatherers that what about this coincidence? A hunter is, is walking along in the, in the forest and he sees a a particular kind of cut in the bark of a tree. And it's a particular shape that he doesn't see very often. And then he keeps going a little further and then he sees an animal and he wonders, is this just a coincidence? He doesn't use those words, but that mark on the tree and the, seeing the animal shortly afterwards, is, are they connected to each other or not? And if you give enough examples of that, where this mark and the animal are connected to each other, in space, then you begin to see that that coincidence, which may or may not have had an explanation, does have an explanation. It's a sign that the animal is here. Mm. And that's the way we get to learn about reality in these days, too. Mm. Yeah, there's big questions about all of this. And I want to get to, I think that there are a few other steps that we need to take before I bring in some of the ideas in regards to this cosmology or this mystery, because I know that Jung said that synchronicity is a causal, so there's no causal factor to it, but he also argued for, and I'll probably slaughter the pronunciation of this. I think it was the unus mundus. No, that's one, right. One, yeah. One mind or a global mind. 
And I, I would like to talk about that, but maybe before we do that, there is one other kind of meaningful coincidence within this umbrella. Uh, and it's a term that you coined. And this is, again, correct me if I mispronounce this, uh, simulpathy. You got it. Okay. So what exactly is that? Well, simul means same time. Pathity mm -hmm. means feeling. Okay. So it refers to two people having a, the same or similar feeling or body state while they're separated from each other. It's mm. not empathy. Empathy takes place when you're close to somebody. This is a kind of physical empathy at a distance. Somehow they're connected and they we didn't have an explanation for it. And some of the, there's really nice examples of it. One time Jung was on a, on a trip giving a talk someplace and he's going to sleep in a hotel room and he felt a really hard pain in the back of his head around 2 a.m. or so. It was really hurt. Woke him up. He thought somebody was in the room, but there wasn't anybody. And the next day he found out that one of his patients had put a bullet in his own head and oh. the bullet had lodged in the back of his skull, approximately where Jung was feeling the pain. That was simulpathity. Mm. So I had something like that happen with my father and me. And so I've, re research I've researched that idea in the weird coincidence survey. And we asked people, that, how often does this happen to you, this feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance? And a lot of people said sometimes, I mean, we don't want this happening all the time, right? but sometimes. So my numbers showed it's real. And then Ian Stevenson, psychiatrist here at the University of Virginia, wrote a book called Telepathic Impressions, which included some of the same phenomenon, feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance. And he collected stories. Mm. And I, the data is pretty interesting. It's just very simply to say is, who are the people involved in reporting this simulpathity? Mm -hmm. One third involved a parent and a child, one third. About 30% involved friends and acquaintances. So it's not necessarily blood related. Mm -hmm. Some husband and wife and some siblings. The sibling ones that are really most prominent are between identical twins. There's a great story of, of two twins where one is at a playground a couple of miles down the road and the other one's at home and the one at the playground gets a black eye and at the same time that the one at the playground got a black eye the one at home got a black eye hmm. and this is the photographs of this taken in a tv series tv description of what happened so it's been pretty well identified so these are examples of of simulpathity it's funny when you think about, if you want to think about it, the original word for what I'm calling simulpathy was telepathy. Right, right. Tele, tele at a distance, pathy feeling, but telepathy has gotten much more with thoughts and images and mm -hmm. much, much less about the body. Right. Yeah. I, I experienced something like this once. And really? Tell me. Tell yeah. Me yeah. It was probably about 15 years ago. I had, this is before Facebook, there had been this site called classmates.com. And I had a little bit too much wine one evening and I thought, oh, I'll get on classmates.com. And I connected with a friend that I used to work with in high school. And she connected me to another friend who I at one point had been very, very close to. And so th this middle person said, oh, is it okay if I give this friend, Maureen is her name, uh, your email? And I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so she did. And I received a message, an email from Maureen, who I would not spoken to in probably 20 some years at that point, maybe even longer, maybe close to 30 years. And I sent you know, an email back and I went out for a walk and I was out walking and all of a sudden I felt as if this, per and I knew it was her, it felt like she just like ran into me and grabbed me and held me in wow. this, like hug. And, you know, I noted the time and 
it was about the same time that she read the email that I had responded with. She was actually afraid that I was angry with her or something and was quite relieved that, you know, there was no animosity or anything like that. But, you know, we had had a really deep connection when we were teenagers. And I think that that would count as an example of this simulpathy. Pathity, excuse me, because I did feel it. I mean, it was a physical sensation of being embraced. Yeah, I'm, I've never heard that one. And yes, it yeah. does fall underneath simulpathity. And it's yeah. a much nicer version than a lot of them are. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so much fun. That's right, a very, right. that's a very nice one that yeah. you could feel her embracing you. Right. That's lovely. That's really yeah. lovely. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned telepathy, because there are a couple of sort of psi events that seem to be connected to meaningful coincidences. And telepathy is one, but another one is precognition. Yes. I think there was, I had, I did an interview several months ago with Eric, Eric Wargo. Wargo. Yeah. And Eric Wargo. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to talk to him in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to, if that's recorded, I want to, I want to hear that. Oh, because... I did talk with him one-on-one, I don't know, several months ago, but this right. one is going to be with Terry Marks, Tarlow and Eric because okay. they each think that fractals, that's what Terry will represent, can be a way of predicting stuff, can be a way of explaining precognition. And mm. they both think that, and I want to be able to hear how they do that. Uh, and right. I, I finish what you're talking about, but I'll, ex- I'll tell you how it might work with one of the stories you gave me. Right. Well, I think that there are some instances of, like, especially with dreams. I know that Eric was writing about precognitive big. dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I can see how a precognitive dream can be a kind of precognition, right? I mean, it's right there in the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, but even if you have a synchronicity based on that dream, I don't know that that synchronicity is necessarily should be explained away as just a precognition. And it seems to me, and I hope I'm not doing an injustice to Eric, but it seems like he kind of wants to get rid of synchronicity and just say that all synchronicities seem to be a form of precognition. That's Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you respond to that? Well, I I came up with examples. I can't remember now where, where, that's not the like that's not likely to be the case but i i can't dig it out right now right. but any any anybody who walks into this field and that's going to include me <laughs> this meaningful coincidence things and says this is the right explanation for all of them is right. wrong <laughs> right right I, I, I mean even i mean even my saying this i could be wrong somehow but yeah. th- this is too complicated a world to say it's one thing that does it yeah. But he's, yeah. he's got an important point, though. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But there was always something about this kind of rejection of synchronicity is just precognition that didn't sit right with me. I, it doesn't, it's, it's not right. Yeah. Uh, so you're, I, I, I think your intuition is, is correct. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's go, let's go back to one of your your original story with dust in the wind, maybe with the yeah. song that you told the students and you came up with that dust in the wind thing. Right. right. Um, and then if that's what it was, we'll, we'll pretend it was. Yeah. And then it, Eric would say, and I can't disagree with him that you precognitively knew we were going to the restaurant and they would be playing it. Right. Right. It's hard to argue that it's, it's a nice way of thinking about it. The, where fractals fit into this is going to be part of the fun of that conversation with them. Yeah, I'd like to know how fractals will play into this because all of this is suggesting a that we live in a very different world than the one we think we live in. You know, that there is different ways of experiencing time, that time may not be exactly linear and with these synchronicities of, you know, like being in the right place at the right time, you know, other very meaningful coincidences, there seems to be something else at play. There, there is this mystery that's involved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as we, as we inch towards trying to get to explanations of coincidences, you, you're, you're, you're bringing us along very nicely about that. 
uh, on the one side, on the one side, there is the law of truly large numbers, which I was referring to earlier that in large population, any weird thing is going to happen. And that's right. the, everything's random and everything's chance part of the thing. On the, on the, on the other end is mystery because there's a lot we don't know. And some people want to say the mystery is God. Right. Others call it universe. Other people call it consciousness. Well, we ha people have very much different meanings for and words for this kind of oneness that we have a sense of. Mm. And, and Unus Mundus, one world, is Jung's idea of the same thing, that everything is like part of one something or other. Right. And this, I, I think you can't argue with that because you, it, we're, too, we're too puny in our minds to really say what the one is because we have to get past the one to see it which is really hard to do. So right. it's easy to say we're immersed in this pond and that's it. And I know it's true and blah, blah, blah. But I'm trying to say there's lots of steps in between to try to figure out how this thing works. Right. And the coincidences are more here and now things that help us understand how, the, how this works, how, how the oneness works, how mm. the connections work, right. how what I call the psychosphere works, that we are immersed in a mental atmosphere, much like the atmosphere that we breathe, we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. We also take in energy information and we send out energy information into the psychosphere where there's a lot of activity going on. Yeah, when you wrote about the psychosphere, it brought to mind Tehar de Chardin's idea of the newosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned him as one of the precursors of this idea. Right. Well, and something that also comes to mind with all of this is I'm very interested in this question of consciousness because it's something that science can't actually account for very well. And it seems to be challenging this reductive materialistic view of the universe. Yes. And more and more people are starting to come out and suggest that, well, yeah, we, we're getting it all wrong and that consciousness is fundamental. And it seems like these meaningful coincidences are deeply problematic if you have a reductive materialist causal universe. But if you have consciousness as foundational, they're a little bit less problematic. Uh, I, I, would you care to define consciousness? I don't know if I can. That's a good question is what is consciousness? Normally, I will refer to consciousness as the awareness of being aware. But what I was thinking of in terms of what you were saying is, I don't know if you're familiar with this fellow. He's got two PhDs, Bernardo Castrup. Oh, yeah. I and, met him. He's been here. He's been in Charlottesville. Oh. Okay. But this image that he has is really one that, you know, he rejects materialism yeah. and suggests that, you know, there's consciousness everywhere and that he kind of describes us as being whirlpools in, in this sort of sea of consciousness. And it's in those whirlpools, you know, that we are part of this greater <laughs> consciousness and can interact with it and it seems to give us a mechanism for the above and the below the within and the without where materialism doesn't and i guess uh, maybe i'm not saying this as well as i could but it seems to me that the study of synchronicities can lead us to or help us along the path to a new understanding of who we are and what we are and what the universe is. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah. I, and, and when you think of that question, how does synchronicity help you right. understand beyond, beyond materialism? Yeah. It seems like there's something else that just simply cannot be explained through matter, through standard cause and effect. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's take the a kind of standard meaningful coincidences, which, again, thinking of a song and hearing it on the radio or as you did or hear it at the, at the restaurant right there that begins that experience tends to dissolve the barrier between your skull mm. and the external world right and that's a primary challenge to materialism that the basic coincidences meaningful coincidences do the ones in which there's a thought and there's an object and they're somehow parallel with each other. They somehow mirror each other. And you have to begin to wonder where is the boundary between my mind and this outside thing, which I'll call the psychosphere. And we, we begin to dissolve that barrier when you start paying more attention to coincidences. It's important to recognize is to work to to wander through this life on earth, we, it's very helpful to think of us as an individual entity walking around. It's very helpful. Right. You, need, you need that. And time being linear, yeah, we, I, we wouldn't be talking at the same time if we didn't have linear time. So there's an adapt, adaptational ability, capacity of thinking in 3D. But now we're getting to have to think beyond it. And meaningful coincidences, especially mind-object ones, or mind-mind ones, where telepathy kinds of things, or clairvoyance, they begin to suggest that time and space are not what we tend to think they are. But even before we get to precognition, when you were in that restaurant and you had that song in your mind and then you hear it outside of you, you, can't only, you can only wonder how is my mind connected to this, this, this music that I had nothing to do with making happen? And yet, there it was. My mind correlated with the music that I had just made a big point out of. When you start thinking about that, which is what I'm asking people to do, you are no longer an island. You are part of something bigger. When you say consciousness and other people like Bernardo say consciousness, it's too big for me. I can't mm. get it. It's too much like the universe. It's yeah. ever expanding and hard to really pin down. So that's why I go with the psychosphere, our, our Earth's atmosphere. And I like to give you an example of like a kind of simultaneity that can't be explained by regular science. And in on March 12th, 1951, the world was introduced, particularly London, England and the United States, to two Dennis the Menaces on the same day. Mm. The Dennis the Menace in England was kind of a bad boy with a dog, and the Dennis the Menace in the United States was a blonde that Dennis in England was a dark-haired guy with a dog, and he stumbled into problems. He made them un apparently by accident. But they were both popular boys who hit the zeitgeist of the time and were created on the were introduced on the same day. Hmm. How does that happen? Well, it means there's a connection through the psychosphere. People are thinking about the same things, maybe in different ways, but the same thing. And this happens a lot. 19, in eight, 1922 or so. Uh, a paper was published listing all these simultaneous independent discoveries. These are evidence that we all live in a mental atmosphere in which we are exchanging energy inf and information. And the, the coincidences of mind and object illustrate that to us individually. Right. It, and that makes me think of Rupert Sheldrake and his idea of morphic fields yep how so that it seems as if the answers are kind of out there in a sense that you know I, I'm, I'm thinking you know you gave some really good examples there are, and i think in in the book you listed it, in that newspaper article that listed these things i think that the theories of evolution 
um, yes, that yes. were produced at the same time. I think calculus uh, yes. was also, and it seems like it's something that is there in what you're calling the psychosphere and that individuals are able to kind of pluck it out. Yeah. But it seems like there's something that has led us to that. Yeah. You know, and so that's where I would put Sheldrake's morphic fields that, you know, we, we have led ourselves to this and then it becomes sort of ripe and then people are able to sort of pluck the fruits as it yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you uh, something, uh, a couple other questions. I know we're starting to run out of time, but how can people work with meaningful coincidences? Very important question, because the two meanings of meaningful coincidences, and by the way, you can get my book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, both online and in their stores as well as as inner traditions who publish the book how do we work with that how do we work with meaningful coincidences well they work us sometimes that's got to be true we're part of them and they are part of us a lot of times if you don't pay attention to them they will they're not going to be there you're not going to be able to use them but the two the two major meanings of meaningful coincidences are explanation and use and you're talking about use so how are they useful? They're useful in most aspects of life. They are useful in interpersonal relationships. They're useful in psychological development. They're useful in work, finding work, doing work. And I have examples of those in the Meaningful Coincidence, also in my previous book, Connecting with Coincidence. They are, they're helpful in medical problems, physical problems, get you to the right place at the right time. They are helpful in spiritual development. And there are plenty of examples of that. So they, they help in all parts of life. I think what is important for our listeners and viewers to notice is that they are likely to increase in times of stress. Like I was stressed on Monday because I was having a book launch party and I had two patients that I was seeing before the party. So I called up a third patient who I only see once a month who was very stable. And so while I'm trying to get myself arranged to go to the, the launch party, this patient who had been stable turns out to be psychotic today. Wow. So this is not uncommon for me and I think other people that when going through a stressful life experience, there is something that's going to happen that's going to balance it out and make right. you think a little differently about what you're doing so that there's a, a yin and yang of kind of the excitement of a launch and the, the difficulty in dealing with a suddenly psychotic patient. Right. It, this was a stressful time. Mm. My, there are, so when under stress and one of the biggest stressors is the loss of a spouse, but even <clears throat> a vacation, is a stressful event. <clears throat> it's much smaller, 15 out of 100, while the death of a spouse is 100 on a scale, on the stress scale. On the, under conditions of stress, people are more likely to experience coincidences. Mm -hmm. They're very common around death. Sometimes flowers bloom in the winter when somebody dies, and that flower is the deceased loved one's favorite flower. Strange things like that happen when there's also high emotion and need. So stress, high emotion, and need are things that are, will increase the likelihood of coincidences happening. So be alert for them when you're in situations like that. Right. Would something like a, a kind of physical manifestation, would that count as a kind of synchronicity. I was thinking in the sense of, I think Jung had instances where he had moments of stress. And I think there was like a knocking or uh, something, a table, I think fell apart or something like that. He and Freud um, were having an argument. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a high stress moment. Would, would that count as synchronicity as well? Yeah. Okay. 
All yeah, right. it's synchronicity because what was going on between them was kind of violent, right? Emotionally violent, and this knocking was a violent episode. So the two, there are two versions of violent uh, violence taking place around the same time, and they're paired. So mm-hmm. as a paired thing around the same time, that's a coincidence. That's a meaningful coincidence. Right. That's synchronicity. Right. Okay. What about instances where you can't make out what the meaning is that, you know, it's meaningful, but you don't know what the message is. Sometimes it takes years. Yeah. If you remember the coincidence to begin with, and then you see actually what it meant for you. Mm. And along those lines, sometimes some, a coincidence seems really great at the beginning. And then it turns out to be kind of lousy years later right. or months later. Right. And I think that's an important point. And you do address this in the book as well, is that I think most people have this tendency to think of synchronicities and meaningful coincidences as beneficial, positive things, but yes. they're not always. Not always. <laughs> and and that's where that's where I'm raining on some people's parade by saying not always, because the reality is not always. Right. I, there was a funny example I heard yesterday uh, this morning with uh, George Nuri. This guy, we, we're talking about George's experience. George Nuri is the host of Coast to Coast. And we're talking, about, I asked George, what a coincidence. And he said he was, he was approaching an intersection 12 years ago or so. And he had this feeling to stop, even though it was a green light. And if he hadn't stopped, he would have gotten smashed by a car that was coming through a red light. Well, I have at least two other stories that are like that, where a brother calls his sister who's about to go through a green light at an intersection, and she stops and answers the phone. She hadn't heard from him for years, for months, and when I picked it up because she stopped, she, she wasn't hit by the truck that barreled through the intersection. And there was a third one of a woman hearing a voice in her car. She heard the voice in her car. Hmm. to take the left lane and not the right lane if she had done if she'd taken the right lane she too would have been smashed so we were talking about not doing something that created a good coincidence they saved their lives those three instances but then somebody came up with a call-in person came in with the i was he says i was like figuring out the numbers to run for the lottery for 10 bucks i could have gotten fifty thousand dollars and he picked the numbers off of something i don't remember what that that was close to him and he was about to put the ten dollars down to get the ticket for the lottery and something stopped him from doing it had he put the money down he would have won the lottery <laughs> so there's the same thing where you did you didn't do something that didn't work out very well that's right. That's a, that's a not a happy coincidence right there. Right, right. Yeah, I tried once to determine lottery numbers by using the I Ching and it didn't work. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not the first person to have tried that though. Yeah, and it's probably your guilt about doing it that may have gotten in the way of that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't feel guilty. I could use the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not to, uh, to use the I Ching in that way. Some people feel guilty in doing that. Oh, no, I didn't feel guilty. Um, good, good I, for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't have, and maybe one of the issues is I don't really have a strong connection to the I Ching. Um, oh, oh, oh. I, I, and I don't know why. It, there's just something about it. It doesn't connect. It does not. Well, connect. it's. I, I do. I, I did a podcast on uh, tarot cards, and it's for my for my viewers. It was very very popular. Yeah, Still yeah. is getting people coming. Yeah. A Jungian who does tarot cards. And then somebody I know very well did an interview with me on the I Ching, and it's never been as popular in the United States. The I Ching just doesn't hit yeah. the way. To, what tarot card decks do you use? I've got a collection of them. My favorite is uh, called Tabula Mundi, which is a Thoth-based deck. And I use Thoth, and I have a couple of Rider Waite Smith kind of clones, but the Tabula Mundi is my favorite. Why? It seems to work really well for me and it is i like the correspondences in it they borrow the correspondences from the thoth and the golden dawn tradition and so i find that it's a little bit more helpful in terms of reading there's another deck that i really like it's called the brady tarot which is by a denver artist and that 
implements implements imagery and animals. It's an animal deck from North and South America. And I've taken that one with me into the desert a few times, and it seems to be fairly predictive for me um, in ways that other decks don't. The other decks just tell me what I, what I already know. You know, my example was I've been struggling with something for a while and I simply asked this question of the Brady Tarot deck, you know, should I stay or should I go? And the card I pulled was the chariot. (laughs) (laughs) As you can't get more clear than that. So yeah. What may I ask what Tarot decks uh, you like? Since you read oh, the book of Thoth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most readers, uh, serious ones like Thoth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I ran across it many years ago when it was, all I could get was a, a, a Xerox copy of it. So I had to cut mm-hmm. the cards out of the sheets yeah. uh, in order to make a deck. And, and there was no, there was no book about it. Crowley's book had not yet been published. So uh, I had to look at each card and try to figure out what they meant. Right. Which was a wonderful way of doing it. Yeah. 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 I really like that. And if you're, if you've never seen Tabula Mundi, you might want to check that out. It is Thoth based and the artwork is phenomenal. It's, you can't purchase it at a bookstore or any other kind of shop. You have to order it online. Tabula Mundi. Yeah, Tapio Mundi. It's by the artist Mel Moline. So I have one final question for you. And this is from your webpage and the listing under the Coincidence Project. And this is the, I guess, the mission statement. Part of the mission statement is that this Coincidence Project is to enhance interpersonal and ecological compassion through connections discovered and worldwide coincidence storytelling and the understanding to be found in them. And I wanted to ask, how do meaningful coincidences enhance ecological compassion? Compassion relies on our ability to feel something for something else. So that, and that requires recognizing that for me, trees are sentient beings with energy fields and a sense of self that is communicable with me. I have had, I have conversations with trees. I've done that for like many years now. Part of it is that I've grown avocado trees, had them in my house ever for like 50 years now. I've had an avocado tree. Now I've got four of them, which is the most I've ever had. And we're buddies. They used to, they were in my office and when doing therapy at, in my office, I'm doing it at home now. And they hung around with me and I know those trees and those trees know me. And that helped me connect with trees in the forest near here, where I've had verbal interchanges with them. So they become real entities. And each time I go to the trees, I get to see what they're experiencing. And sometimes they really, they want to give me energy and help. They, I sometimes have gone to the woods so often and they told me not to come back for six weeks because I was draining too much energy out of them. They, mm. they, I, I, I had, they had to help some other people and, and they kicked me out twice for similar reasons, but they haven't done that for a while. And lately I've been going there and being able to like do what they like. They like me to sing to them. They can't make the sounds that our voices can make. So I sing to them and they give me what energy they've got. So it becomes a kind of like a dance. And there's particularly, there's, there's three of them, a king, queen, and their child that I form a rhombus with when I stand there, there, and I stand here and we have a little rhombus, a four-sided thing. And we have a thing and I sing them, I sing the songs, I see what song they want me to sing, best I can figure, and then I sing the song for them, and it's a wonderful interchange, and they are helpful to me in mental and physical ways that let me know that they are there, and that's beginning to know something about who they are. I am empathic with them. Hmm. They are empathic with me. That's Hmm. an important part of this. It's a mutual thing. Yeah, I have, uh, I've mentioned this many times on the podcast, but about 10 years ago, I started hiking a trail and I've made it a point. I hike the same trail every week and I go on Fridays and I call it my Friday office. 
Where is that? It's it's in a canyon. It's the Gabrielino Trail. There's a canyon here and actually it would be Altadena. It's right next to, it's adjacent to NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. And there's a trail and you can go longer on the trail than what I go. But I really wanted to develop a sense of place and I wanted to develop a connection to a specific place. And it's been really interesting to do this over this 10 year period of time. And I've also developed a relationship to one specific tree on the trail that I always have to stop and talk to. When I went on vacation earlier this summer, you know, I was going to be gone for a few weeks. I had to stop and I let the tree know I was going to be gone and that I loved it. But, you know, but I also noticed that I look for signs. I look for signs when I'm on the trail or I'll see something and I'll say, ah, is this something, is there a message here for me? So for example, when I was hiking last week, I saw, I think it was a heron and it's the first time I've seen a heron on that trail. And because it was so unusual, I was like, is there a message? And this for me I would, I would think about this in terms of a synchronicity of being at that spot and seeing that bird that I have never seen on that trail before. And so when I got home, I had to look up the symbolism of herons to see if there was anything there for me. Was there? I think so. The symbolism I found, the short answer was balance, that they symbolize balance. And I think that is something that I have had to work on recently is trying to achieve balance. And I know that a few summers ago, I kept running into rattlesnakes. And usually you only see like maybe one or two a year, but I was seeing rattlesnakes every week. And that led to a transformation for me. It led to a transformation of my relationship with snake and learned that even things that we consider negative and dangerous have their place and deserve our respect. Yep. You know, so, all right. Well, I know that we are out of time, so I don't want to keep you any longer. I have very much enjoyed the conversation. So I thank you for your time. The book is, you've already said the book is out and it's available at all the major booksellers. I'll put links for it thank in you. the thank show you. notes and video description. And you have the website, which you already gave, the coincider.com. Do you have anything else that's coming up that you would like to share with the audience? This is coming up. This, this has been my life's work to get this book done. I didn't know it a long time ago, but it is. And yeah. I hope not only that you learn from it, but you enjoy it and expand yeah. your mind about the nature of reality. Yeah, I think it does. I, I really appreciated how it led me to start thinking along these lines of, you know, the psychosphere and consciousness and what exactly is going on here. And it broadened my understanding of meaningful coincidence beyond just synchronicity. So I highly recommend the book and checking out the website too. I'm sure at this point you must have thousands of examples of meaningful coincidences. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And you talk about some of the patterns that you've discovered in the book as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's really important work. You know, it's not just anecdotes and you mentioned this in the book that, you know, enough anecdotes are data. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, again, Bernard, it was a great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time and uh, good luck. Good luck with the book. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I th I, I think Nick, you're giving me some luck here just by talking with you. So thanks for, for helping me do what I'm here to do. All right. Well, thank you. And that's a wrap on episode 53 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you view this on Spotify. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It only takes a second and your five-star ratings really do help especially if you listen on Apple. If you have a minute to spare, please consider posting a short but positive review and please subscribe. Also, if you think a friend, family member, or coworker might like this podcast, please share it with them. Right now, that is the single best way to help me grow this podcast. And I really would like to grow my audience. 
Um, I also post videos of the podcast on YouTube and you can find those at youtube.com slash rebel spirit radio. I have a PayPal link set up if you would like to make a one-time donation to help me with my work. And yes, you can still be the first person to do so. Uh, you can find the link for that in the show notes or video description. Uh, I'm also going to be launching a Patreon within the next few months, so stay tuned for more information on that. I have a lot of plans for Rebel Spirit beyond the podcast. I do want to create more video content for the YouTube channel, and I am working on that. Uh, I'm also planning on some live stream episodes. The first will be with returning guest, Dr. Sharon Kogan, where she will offer a Jungian analysis interpretation of uh, dreams for participants. Uh, we're still working on scheduling that, but it will likely be at the end of October. So be sure to follow Rebel Spirit Radio on Facebook and or sign up for the newsletter at rebelspiritradio.com. That way you will be informed of all future live events and the launch of the Patreon. Implementing all of this is going to take a lot of time, work, and resources, so anything you can do to help will be greatly appreciated. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit. <laughs>